It's time for Business Minds Coffee Chat, an inspiring show about the journey to personal and professional growth. And now, your host, Jay Shear. Hey everyone, you're listening to Business Minds Coffee Chat, and I am your host, Jay Shear, and I am so excited today because I have got a fantastic guest with me in the studio. My guest is a husband and father, a grandfather, a U.S. Air Force veteran, a former Flagler Beach City Commissioner, former chairman and commissioner in St. John's County, a former adjunct professor at Flagler College, a former senior director at the U.S. Department of Justice, a former White House Deputy Director of the Executive Office of the President, a classic car enthusiast, and an avid fisherman. Please welcome the one and only Ken Bryan. (laughs) Ken, it is so good to see you. Thank you so much for being here. It's awesome. I'm so glad you invited me. Um, Kind of took me away from my boat that I'm going to get ready to go fishing on on Thursday, but that's okay. Fantastic. I always enjoy coming out. Well, you have definitely earned that, so I am excited about our conversation today. And, you know, we've known each other for a while, and, you know, we were kind of reminiscing a little bit before we started recording here. And it really, you know, as I was preparing for our conversation today and doing some research on you, I, I thought I knew a lot about you, but I barely scratched the surface and that that intro again really i mean there's so many things that you've done and we're going to dig into some of these areas so first i thought it would be really interesting for you to share with all of us maybe two or three words that you would use to describe yourself uh tenacious determined um and high regard for integrity excellent very good. So let's speak to Tenacious for just a moment. Give us an example of something in your life where tenacity played a major role for you. I would say they probably followed me through my entire career. Uh, when I got out of the Air Force, um, it was a, a little tough, tough to find a job. So I, uh, I took a job as a janitor working for the Department of Navy. Um, but I also knew that that wasn't going to be the last job or for every job. So I was very, very determined that I would use that as a stepping stone to start spring, you know, spring, as a springboard to my career in uh, working uh, throughout my life. Very good. Very good. Well, we're going to explore that one in a couple of moments because there there's really so much to your story to unpack and obviously we won't be able to get to all of it today because there's a lot there but there are definitely some areas some key areas that i want to highlight so you were originally from north carolina and you grew up in Maryland. So tell us – let's go back in, okay. in time a bit. Tell us a bit about life in North Carolina before growing up or before moving to Maryland. Okay. It's kind of interesting because people ask me that. And um, um, because of segregation I, – I mean, obviously, I was born in 1948. Uh, because of segregation, my mother um, did not find safe haven or care, if you will, in the local hospital. So what she would do with both – me and my brother, she would get on the Greyhound bus because we were living. In, she was living in Maryland, where she had met my dad, and she would travel to North Carolina, where my grandparents had a sharecropper's farm, and um, we would actually be born by midwives on my grandparents' sharecropper's farm. Uh, once we were ready to travel, then she would go back to Maryland. Uh, during the summers, we would actually spend uh, that time 
in North Carolina with my grandparents while my parents were working. Um, my mother was working as a housekeeper or whatever job she could get. And my father was working um, for the Department of Navy at Patuxent Naval Air Station. So that's how the relationship of North Carolina, born in North Carolina, traveled back to Maryland, but came back during the summers um, or whenever my uh, grandparents is, uh, need to actually take care of me and my brother. Interesting. So let, let's speak about your, your parents here for a moment. You know, I always find it very interesting to explore the relationship between parents and children and, and those key lessons sure. that we learn growing up. As you think about your, your mother and your father, what were what, what is one big lesson that, as you think back, that you took away from your father and then same question about your mother? I think that one of the things that I know, one of the things that I got from my father um, was an incredible work, work ethic uh, that was passed on to not only myself, but my two brothers. Um, until my father passed away in, in 80, uh, at 80 years old, um, he always worked two jobs. Even when he retired, he continued to work. He actually got his charter boat captain's license and he ran a charter boat for about 15, 20 years after he uh, retired from the Department of Navy. So he always worked two jobs to make sure that we always had food in the refrigerator and we were always able to get what we wanted. You know, not extravagant things, but, you know, just basic things of life. So dad had an incredible worth ethic. Um, He only went to ninth grade, but he was very, very smart, very smart with money and investing. And um, that was something that I took away from that. And one of the things that dad always said um, he didn't graduate from high school or college, but he's, and he used to tell me and my two brothers, he says, you know, I'm not telling you what you have to do, but all I'm telling you is that I'd like you to do better than I ever did. So that's what me and all of my brothers did. We all ended up um, getting uh, master's or more uh, during our particular uh, educational careers and all. Amazing. And how about your mother? <laughs> Mom was very, very hardworking as well. She was a rock, very, very Strict, I, I would say, because, you know, we grew up in a Catholic family, going to church every Sunday. Uh, I was an altar boy until I graduated from high school. So um, we had a very, very strict, uh, strong religious bond. And um, she always instilled um, discipline, but also respect for others and, um, and belief in ourselves. Mm, very good. So speaking of belief in yourself... What was something that you believed about yourself early in life that you discovered later wasn't true? Boy, um, uh, I think one of the things I probably discovered or thought during my formative years is that um, I wasn't that smart. I didn't think I was smart enough to go to college or to move on to those kinds of things. And that was mainly because it wasn't until fifth or sixth grade that it was detected or it was determined that I had very, very poor eyesight. So I didn't do well in elementary school until they actually slapped some some glasses on me and found out that I was almost blind. Wow. (laughs) So because of that experience itself, I think when I moved into high school, I still had some apprehensions about my ability to, uh, to learn in school. Um, but I found out that that wasn't true. So when I went into the military, I started going to college at Texas Christian University in particular. And once I had 
you know, successfully completed some, some classes and all. And I was like, well, hey, I, I like this. And I became very, very hungry for education. And, uh, and even to this day, I, I value education as one of the most valuable things in a person's life. Yeah, yeah, that is that is amazing. I, I'm right there with you. I agree. Now, are you a are, are you a reader today? Do you enjoy reading? I enjoy reading, but I, I have so many hobbies and I stay so busy that um, I actually started doing audio books. Okay. So, you know, I, I have a Bose headset, and um, and if, if I'm traveling, I put the audio on, on, the, on the radio uh, in the vehicle that I'm driving. And if I'm working around the house or something, I have my Bose headset on, and I'm doing audibles. Uh, I mean, strangely as it may sound, one of the books uh, that I'm reading right now is Strong Men because of, obviously, the, the climate that we're in. Uh, so I'm reading that book right now, and it's very, very exciting. Uh, what's also guiding me with some of the things that I'm doing with my own book is I'm reading a couple of other books on writing an autobiography. Excellent. So, so all right, well, we, we've got to tug <clears throat> on that thread a little bit here. So you're you're writing an autobiography. Correct. And so share with us a, a bit about that because, you know, that's an area that – you can go obviously much more deep into your your history, lessons that you've learned, how you went from you know point A to where you are today, sure. and everything in between. So, share with us about that autobiography. Give us a little more detail. Let's pull the curtain back on that a bit. <laughs> well, you know, um, it was several years ago when I think I was actually living in St. Augustine, and I started thinking about myself, you know, and. And, and sometimes I think, you know, if you're really true to yourself, you um, you contemplate and you just kind of go back into history and you say, what have I really accomplished in my life? What do I want to accomplish from this point on? Have I been, you know, good? Have I had any type of positive influence uh, or impact on other people? Um, and, and I was doing that and I started thinking, well, you know, darn, I, I don't really feel like I've done much. But then when you start really rehashing it and maybe start writing down some notes as to the things that I've accomplished, uh, I started doing that. And I was like, wow, you know, you haven't done too bad for uh, for a guy that was, you know, born on your grandparents' sharecropper's farm, went to Catholic schools and didn't think you were going to be able to finish college. And, you know, you were made, you know, um, able to achieve graduate degrees and all. So I was like, wow. You know, this is um, something that um, others could maybe benefit from. So when I was working with some of the younger men in the community and talking to people, um, they would say, well, what are your stories? What have you achieved your – what do you attribute your successes to? And I started thinking about those. And then um, one day I was telling someone, very similar to what I was telling you now, is that I started as a janitor cleaning toilets and things like this. And I ended up working at the White House for the President of the United States. And then I started thinking a little bit more about it. And I think one night I woke up and I was like, from the outhouse to the White House. And that kind of wrapped things around the title of the book that I would like to actually um, put out there and use it more as a motivational type of um, of a, a vehicle for uh, other folks. Uh, we have um, a society now with a lot of folks think that as soon as they come out of college, or as soon as they get out of high school, they should be able to make a lot of money and be successful and everything should be given to them. Um, I don't think I was in that position. And, you know, I put myself through college and, of course, the GIV bill helped, but I also had the encouragement of my parents. So I'm hoping that putting this whole thing together 
uh, from an outhouse to the White House will actually be able to help some others uh, as they contemplate what they're doing over there, actually uh, attempting to achieve in life. Mm. Well, that that is amazing. Well, I, obviously, once that book comes out, we're going to have to have you back on the show. We're going to talk more specific <laughs> sure. about some of the details in that book. So, you know, as you as you reflect over your life, you know, as you're writing this book, what are you most proud of? You know, if you had to highlight sure. one or two things, what, what are you most proud of? Well, one of the things that you mentioned as we started this was, you know, some of the things that I consider to be uh, uh, important. And um, one of the things I, I have a high regard for, and that's integrity. And and I think to me, integrity is doing the right thing when no one is looking and no one even really knows about it. You know, that's basically my interpretation of integrity. You don't do things because people are going to recognize it. You're doing it because it's the right thing to do. And I can't remember the exact quote that one of my old bosses used to have, and that was Janet Reno when I was working at the Justice Department. But um, there was something, and I'll have to look it up. But she used to say if you're confronted with two situations um, and you're not sure what to do, always do the right thing. You know, And I kind of put that in the back of my head because that ties in with integrity. Uh, the other thing that I always equate with integrity is that you know, you can take my cars, you can take my boat, you can take my money, you can take my wife, you can take everything. You cannot take my integrity. I actually will have to surrender my integrity. And once you surrender your integrity, you never get it back. It's gone forever. So that's one of the things I hold in high regard. And that's why I've always been very, very true to telling the truth, being honest and transparent. Wow, that is that is so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Well, Ken, we are going to take a brief break to thank our amazing sure. sponsors. You are listening to Business Minds Coffee Chat. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves more than just average. It deserves flatter media. We specialize in innovative and dynamic marketing solutions tailored for mid-sized businesses with ambitious goals. Our team of experts are dedicated to helping you stand out from the crowd, drive growth, and elevate your brand. Ready to take your marketing to new heights? Choose Flagler Media, where we turn great ideas into remarkable results. Visit us at flagmedia.com or call us at 386-227-6477. Flagler Media, exceptional marketing for exceptional businesses. There's no business like show business like no business I know. Visit the Fitzgerald Performing Arts Center at Flagler Auditorium. We're about to release our new season of professional touring shows. Visit our website at flaglerentertainment.com. Sign up for our newsletter. You can be the first to know about our shows and special offers. And remember, every time you buy a ticket to a show, you support the performing arts in Flagler schools and you support our local economy. This is Jay Shear. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur trying to figure out how to improve and achieve greater results? If so, I'm speaking to you. I provide the tools, coaching, and accountability you need to gain clarity around your personal and professional goals, remove the excuses holding you back, build the mindset, leadership skills, and proven strategies to grow your business and become the best version of yourself. To learn more or to apply for my coaching services, call 904-236-0431 or visit jshearbusinessconsulting.com. 
All right, we're back. And again, you're listening to Business Minds Coffee Chat, and I am in the studio today with my very, very special guest, Ken Bryan. We're having an excellent conversation. My gosh, there's so much about this this man that uh, that is just so incredibly interesting and inspiring. And we're going to continue the conversation right now. So I want to talk about your your time at the White House. What you know, as you think about your, your time there. What was one of the most interesting experiences that you had while at the White House? Um, that would be very uh, interesting to even <laughs> talk about. Actually, every day was interesting. Um, I had a staff, I guess I probably had about 120 um, staff members that worked for me because I was a, essentially in charge of all of the mail in the mail room, all the mail that came into the president's uh, office, the White House in general, uh, the graphics office, procurement, contracting, uh, human resources or personnel, all of this. So every day was uh, was a very, very different day. Um, in most cases, I would use leave work about 6 if I was – it was a good day, but usually 7 or 8 o'clock, and I would have my entire schedule all made up for the next day, and it never failed. By the time I returned the next morning by 6 or 7 o'clock – Everything had changed so, <laughs> because of world events or just whatever. Uh, but it was exciting. It was a great opportunity, um, you know, to work with the president, to work with um, uh, the White House staff and, and just um, work for our country. And, and Jake, what I, I found, uh, found so interesting in comparison today is that nobody knew what your political affiliation was. You know, it reminded me of the military in that we just got the mission accomplished. We got the job done. We were cared. We cared about the country, cared about what we were doing, and you know what uh, was going to be best for the country. So, um, in that respect, uh, that's one of the things I remember is that we all just worked together. No one knew if you were Democrat, Republican. It didn't matter. We, we just worked for the country, and uh, and that was very very important. And I'll never forget that. It was mm-hmm. a good experience. Yeah, no, no question about it. Do you do you miss those days at all? Uh, I miss them some. If they were still like that mm-hmm. in the current climate, no. Okay. <laughs> so you're you're in a good place today. I'm in a very good place. Very good. I love that. So so let's talk about your wife, Lauren, for a moment. How did the two of you meet? Oh my God. Um, we actually met when. Um, Believe it or not, she was 23 years old, and um, I think I was 38. And we both worked for the Department of Navy in Maryland, uh, Indian Head, Maryland, at the Naval Warfare Center. Um, she was a clerk, and I was one of the – I think I was the administrative officer, but anyway, I was one of the, the managers there, supervisors. And um, uh, we had a very close-knit group that worked in the um, – in that particular division. It was the Sea Automated Data Systems Activity. So it was an automated systems group that we provided software and, and different kinds of programs for the fleet, uh, the naval fleet. Um, but at any rate, bottom line is um, on Fridays, the group, the, you know, probably 15 or 20 of us would always get together and just kind of have a, uh, a good time celebrating the end of the week. And um, I wasn't that attracted to her at all because she was so young at the time, in my view. <laughs> Uh, but we ended up dating, and um, we actually um, um, God, we stayed together for a long time. And um, believe it, after about twenty twenty two years, we got married after we moved to Florida. No kidding. <laughs> yes. So, 
that first date, did she ask you out or did you ask her out? I asked her out. You did. Okay. All right. So interesting. So, you know, I asked you at the beginning of our conversation a few words that you would use to describe yourself. What are a couple words you would use to describe Lauren? Oh, Lauren is, she's very caring, very loving, um, a very beautiful person, uh, quiet, but um, very smart and uh, very attentive to people and what they're doing and um, very kind. Very good. Lauren, if you're listening right now, (laughs) you ought to see Ken's face. He is just lighting up here as he's talking about you. Well, I I love that. Thank you for for going over that piece of the story with us. So, so Ken, what is one of the greatest life challenges that you've faced? Um, It's probably, uh, I'd say, you know, it's, uh, I'm going to try not to get emotional over it. Uh, and I don't want to get into it too much, but I guess one of the greatest life challenges that I've had in my adult life was um, trying to um, deal with the death of my son three years ago. Um, even to this day, it's very tough. Sure. Uh, but that's, that's the biggest challenge that I've had. Understood. How have you been able to process that experience today so what what do you do to ground yourself Mm -hmm. and continue to look toward the future i um i I think about the good times uh that we had and um just think about how solid um the family relationship has to be yeah and also just trying to um remind other people to enjoy um Every day as though it's, it's, it's your last. And if you have some kids, enjoy them. Absolutely. Very, very important words to remember. So what do you feel our young generation today <clears throat> should be thinking about? You know, you look around what's happening in society. You look at what's going on on social media, what we see in the news, and just just kind of paying attention to to what we see. What should our young generation be thinking about, talking about? What do you think they should be focused on? I I think that the younger folks now, and I, I talk about my stepdaughter, who's thirty eight, thirty nine years old, as well as her husband. Um, who's locally here uh, in Flagler Beach. And I think about my granddaughter that's uh, up north. And and I think the things that they should be focusing on is not necessarily getting too involved with politics, but paying attention to where our country is going because they are the ones that are going to have to be the caretakers, if you will, or the stewards of our society. And and I think that uh, a lot of folks, younger folks, have just – to some degree, kind of given up, and they're just going there on their own way day to day and not really paying attention of what do I really want my country, what I want my life to look like in the next five years, 10 years, 20 years. But I think they need to focus a little bit more on those kinds of things. So with that said, what do you think it would take to engage them to get involved and to really think about 
think more about our country and the direction that we're heading and and the and what they can do, right? What they can do to get involved and make an impact. What's a, what's a good way to get them engaged? I think the best way to get them engaged is the kinds of things that you've been doing here. Uh, the Tiger Bay, for example, getting the younger folks involved and letting them see that there are a lot of positive things out there, not necessarily uh, the negative things that they're sucked into every day on social media. Um, I think that a lot of our younger folks are really disheartened with what they see and what they hear, so they focus on their own daily lives because I've heard some say, I, I just won't, don't want any part of it. I just want to live my life and move on. But by the same token, what's happening every day is having a tremendous impact on them. So I think that um, we need to be more engaged and, and, and actually uh, showing there are some really good things and, and also to some degree using history to say, you know, this isn't the first time these kinds of things has happened, but this is how we pulled out of it. Um, I love history. I'm a big history buff also. And, uh, and I think that it's very important to know where you've come from in order to know where you're going, because if you don't, you're going to make the same mistakes. And of course, that's not my personal quote, but others. Um, but I think it's very true. And if you don't apply those particular principles and those beliefs, uh, I think you end up, you know, really, uh, doing yourself a disservice. I would completely agree with you on that one. You know, you mentioned that, I want to go back just for a moment to the White House days. You mentioned that you had a staff of about 120. Mm -hmm. So what does leadership mean to you when you think about yourself as a leader? This could be leadership in a family. It could be leadership in a business, leadership at the White House. What does leadership mean to you? And how do you continue to show up as a leader today? Um, I think uh, good leadership goes back to what I'd mentioned before, um, practicing that integrity. Uh, leadership is good integrity or solid integrity and exemplified by the way that you actually treat people. Uh, one of the things I've always believed in, even as a local city commissioner, um, I always try to protect the people that work for me. I've always been willing to take a bullet for them. Um, in order to ensure that they keep their morale up. Uh, if they screw up, I'm always there to let them know, this is what you did wrong, and this how can we improve it? So I think leadership is actually setting a very good example and also uh, using the integrity part of it to show that um, those are the things that are important. And again, doing the right thing even if no one is watching it. Absolutely. Or watching you. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. What is something that would surprise us to learn about you? Oh, my God. You know, this, um, I don't know. Um, I usually, um, I'm right out there letting people know um, what I'm all about. But um, I don't know. It's, it's very tough. I, don't, I, I think people pretty much know who I am and what I'm all about. So, um I don't think there's much that uh, I would surprise people with. Okay. All right. That, that's okay. And if there are any surprises, my guess is they're probably going to appear in your book. <laughs> so we'll have sure. to stay tuned for that's that for one. Sure. So if you had the opportunity to have a conversation with any one person and you could ask that person one question and one question only, who would be the one person that you would want to have the conversation with? And what is the one question that you would want to know? You know, I, I it's ironic, but um, I was just talking to my only surviving uncle last week who lives in uh, North Carolina. Um, he's 80, almost 87 years old. And I was actually talking to him about 
my childhood when he used to take care of me or babysit me when he was like 14 years old. And one of the things I was telling him, uh, I said, you know, one of the things I wish I had done is I wish that I had asked grandma, his mother, my grandmother, a few more questions about things in life, um, her parents, and um, uh, and also some of her home medicinal recipes that she had. Yeah, so I guess to answer your question, it would be I would like to talk to my my grandmother uh, from North Carolina on the sharecropper's farm who used to go out in the woods and, and dig up, I don't know if there was sassafras roots or whatever it was, but they had their own home remedies that they would use. And um, we never had a cold or anything. And uh, that was true with my great-great-grandmother, uh, who I re- whom I also remember. Uh, she actually died when I was uh, an adult. Uh, but I think to answer your question, we talk to Grandma a little bit more. Yeah, boy, that that that's a good one, and really find out what those uh, what those home remedies yeah. are. <laughs> I love it. Well, Ken, I want to thank you so very much for joining that's us today on Business Minds Coffee Chat. I truly appreciate the conversation. That's you really pleasure. are. You're such a remarkable human being, and I always enjoy spending time with you. You've got such great energy oh, and you. such thank a you. great outlook on life and i appreciate you and i'm grateful for you thank you thanks for inviting me jay it's been a pleasure absolutely it is my pleasure and for all of you thank you so very much for tuning into business minds coffee chat we'll be back next saturday morning at 8 30 and until then keep learning and growing and keep doing the work to reach your potential take care everybody 